Welcome to Sunny in Seattle with your host, Sunny Joy. And coming up on today's show, Sunny will be welcoming the author of The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment, Jaitara Jade. And the two of them will be chatting about anyone wanting to live a more joyful life spiritually, sexually, and emotionally with or without a partner. And now I welcome your host for the day, Sunny Joy. And welcome to Sunny in Seattle, everyone. Good morning. I'm your host, Sunny Joy McMillan. And we're here every Friday from 9 to 10 a.m. on Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. KKNW in Seattle, as well as 103.3 KPCA in Petaluma, bringing you amazing guests and resources that will help you create a life filled with joy, peace, freedom, and purpose. It is radio that positively shines. And if you can't catch the show live, you can always access those show archives. Those are found at 1150kknw.com. And you can also find the show on iTunes and podcast one. Um, And I will go ahead and I'll say, Benny, I was telling you before uh, we got started with the show today and before I bring out um, our wonderful guest, um, we are, of course, sheltering in place in California. And I know you all are still in the studio up in Seattle, correct? Yeah, pretty good. I feel like uh, Wilson. (laughs) I feel like I'm a little marooned at sometimes. There's not too many people here. I bet I didn't even think about that because, yeah. you know, for those who have not been, I mean, I don't know, of course, some guests sometimes will come through, but right. for those who don't know where the KKNW studios are, of course, Hubbard Radio has a whole floor of the, at the T-Mobile complex in Factoria Bellevue area. And it's, I mean, it is a teeming office of many, many people. There are multiple FM and AM stations supported there with studios and of course, all of the infrastructure and staff. And yeah, I can't even imagine, Benny. It must be like what's there when you get there at three in the morning and nobody's there. Yeah, it's not too bad. I'm kind of used to it anyways. I'm kind of stuck in a studio know, doing my are. little thing. I talk to myself a oh, lot, yeah. you know. <laughs> I, have, yeah. I have impressions I work on, you know, the usual. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I guess I'm I'm having a kind of different experience because yeah. um, in Petaluma, of course, I'm in California and we've got a now statewide shelter-in-place order um, happening and uh, because because Petaluma's little community access station where I simulcast is it's a pretty small station and so it's I believe considered non-essential in terms of the media and I am broadcasting from home once again I've forgotten how beautiful it is to look out my window and see the Petaluma Hills as I'm speaking to you and our guests Benny but it's it's an interesting experience and kind of pleasant to be back right. here again. Yeah, it's like old times you know the good old days yeah. but you know it's actually kind of nice I mean you have things to work with in front of you when you can look outside and you know imagine everything rather than imagining things in a room with no windows just walls so exactly <laughs> and i added plus that i can still be in my pajamas so Bingo. i forgot that was I mean, so nice not you to still, have to get ready you still technically could go into work in your pajamas <laughs> but I that's everyone so. else's vision Depends on so. what kind of pajamas you wear i don't know anyway. <laughs> that's true too <laughs> Well, anyway, so uh, just for everyone out there, so today, and because also our little community access station is not commercial, um, I, you know, we always are very careful not to do calls to action and things like that. But now that I'm back in Seattle, we can say, well, I mean, with FCC regulations, of course, <laughs> but I don't have to be so cautious today. Right. I can do, you know, promote our guests, promote my work. You can <laughs> just let her rip. Things. I mean, you just let her rip. Just keep <laughs> yeah. it clean, so to speak. Don't swear. <laughs> I, exactly. And, you know, on that note, I will just say it's been a while since I've mentioned events, so it feels very self-promotion-y these days, but I do want people to know what's going on, and I probably, it's funny, I've got, I had a, every once in a while, I'll have a last-minute opening, because, you know, usually the show is booked out, and next week, I found my schedule open all of a sudden, and I thought, 
who's going to go in that spot? And I think I'm just going to do, because I'm broadcasting from home and this is an unusual time, I'm, I think I'm going to do a solo show next week, Benny, but um, so I'll have two weeks where I will be at least two weeks where um, we'll be talking a little bit more um, personally, perhaps, and about what's going on in my work. But I want to make folks aware out there. Um, I know there has been, thank goodness, in this time of physical distancing, at least there is the social connection happening online. And I think for so many people, they're taking concerts online line and their classes online. And it's just, I love how everyone has stepped up to keep connections thriving and rich when it could be an opportunity for such deeper isolation than, you know, what I'm seeing. And so I, back in uh, the fall, I beta tested a membership community for Soul Digger. We started it officially in January and we've got the nicest group of women um, in this in this uh, community um, and we meet weekly via Zoom or phone, depending on what you know your preference is as a member. And we every month we do a different topic where we really dive in. We do a little bit of learning. We do a lot of sharing. There are a lot. I found one of the greatest things about it is the women arrive with you know, the stories of magic and the mystical that are happening in our day-to-day lives, where not everyone has an outlet to share that. And so we're really getting our our human beings primed for the magic and the serendipities that sometimes we forget when we're just out there in the world. Uh, I think KKW, you know, leads toward the mystical and the magical anyway. But I, even within this group, I, I'm getting a lot of feedback that it's a really nice place to land spiritually. And, you know, especially in times like this, having those regular touch points um, is important. Um, I get as much out of it as any of the members do. And it's a neat community. So if you're interested, you can find out more at my website, goldenoversoul.com. Um, that's goldenoversoul.com. Just under the events page, um, the program is, or the community is called Soul Digger. And then second, um, I am uh, running a virtual uh, book club, but it's Soul Digger Book Club. So it's book club for your soul, which means we are only doing books that will Um, connect you to your spirit, enhance your soul connection. Um, We actually start this Saturday. We're going back to one of my favorites. I think it's important right now. We're going to be looking at Anita Morjani's book, What If This Is Heaven? I think so many people right now feel that we are in hell. And I think there is no better person than to help reframe this whole experience than a near-death experiencer like Anita Morjani. And you don't have to have read the book. Um, I'm offering this for free. It was something that's been in the works for a while, but given what's happening, I'm, I'm doing it for free for the foreseeable future as we're doing it virtually. Um, and so if you need some positivity touch points, you want to go either back through What If This Is Heaven or you want to just read it for the first time, um, we're going to go there. And on this coming Saturday, which will be tomorrow, March 21st, um, we're going to have our initial or our first meeting. So again, you don't have to have read the book, but show up. We're going to do introductions. We're going to talk a little bit about Anita's story, and then we'll gear up for coming weeks as we dive further into the book. Um, Again, you can find that on my website um, under the um, goldenoversoul.com under the events tab um, for the Soul Digger Book Club. So anyway, that's what I've got for you. That felt very self-promotion-y after all these (laughs) months now of non-commercial radio, Benny. But anyway, Let's not delay any further. I want to bring on my incredible guest today. Um, I'm so excited to speak with her after hearing her 
session during the Soul Fest that I mentioned on previous shows. I think on my uh, first Friday with Alessandra, I went into it pretty in depth. Um, there were presenters like Neil Donald Walsh and Nita Morjani and Lisa Nichols. And um, I discovered uh, new teachings from people that I love and adore. And I discovered some new people whose work I now adore. And Jaitera is one of those people. Um, her name is Jaitera Jade. And I'll give you a little bit of her background and then we will bring her on. Um, Jaitera Jade supports lovers and creators, women and men, to live a life of more joy and pleasure, spiritually, sexually, and emotionally, with or without a partner. She does this through her wisdom teachings and facilitation of the four sacred laws of sexual enlightenment practices. And we'll also be discussing her book of that same name here today, The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment. Jaitera facilitates healing through breath work and other techniques that clear emotional residue of past abuse and unhealthy relationships on a cellular level. She guides women to be in the joy and power of their sensuality and pleasure. She works privately with couples to deepen and enrich their intimate relationships. She works with companies to teach men and women mindful communication for maintaining a harmonious and sexual harassment-free workplace, as well as meditation to eliminate stress and increase focus, calm, and productivity. Her story is powerful, and this is one of the reasons I reached out to her. Her story is incredibly inspiring um, of how she healed her own wounds from adolescent uh, exploitation, evolving into an inspiring role model of awakened feminine leadership, wisdom, and compassion. Now in her 60s, she still loves to dance like no one is watching. She serves others with the love and tenderness of a mother, the wisdom of an elder, and with youthful vitality and playfulness. And that was another thing that really struck me when I heard her session on the Soul Fest. Um, there was this beautiful mix of exactly that, tenderness of a mother, wisdom of an elder, youthful vitality and playfulness. There was just something about her energy and listening to her speak that I could not get enough of, which is one of the reasons I invited her to be on Sunny in Seattle today. Um, and she's she is uh, certified in a host of modalities, um, Reiki master teacher, so list, or certified holistic rebirther, um, all kinds of different modalities that really she incorporates beautifully into her work. So Jaitera, welcome to Sunny in Seattle. Thank you, Sunny. It's an honor to be here. Yes. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about, you know, picking up your book, Don Miguel Ruiz wrote this beautiful testimonial that's featured on the cover of your book. And I'm curious, um, and also for those who know his work, of course, I think he's most known for the four agreements. And then I notice your book is called the four, uh, uh, the, um, oh dear, I want to say it right. The four sacred laws of sexual enlightenment. So I'm curious, how does his work and your work intertwine or how do you know each other? Cause I know not everybody gets a testimonial from Don Miguel Ruiz. <laughs> this is true. Uh, well, I spent about three years in the LA area, um, from around between 2011, 12 to 2014. And so I first met Don, actually, no, it was 2012. I was at the Celebrate Your Life conference in Chicago. That was the first meeting, and I'll never forget it. Um, I was actually going to the workshops just a touch late, and I got in the lobby, and Barbara Marks Hubbard was there, and she looked lost. I said, you look lost. Can I help you? And she said, yes, I'm going to Carolyn Mice workshop. And I said, well, I'm going there, too. I'll walk you there. Huh? And down this long hallway, and we were just outside the door, and I see this short man down the other end of the hallway, and he comes walking really fast straight to me and wraps his arms around me like we've known each other for years. And oh, it was my. Don. 
and that was my first meeting with him. And and we would just run into each other at events. I was at his knighting ceremony at Agape International Spiritual Center, and there was always this beautiful connection. And I actually became friends with his former partner, Ava Charlotte. And I was at the um, Circle of Fire gathering, um, not the one just passed in 2019, but the one in 2018. And it was near the end of the gathering and everybody was saying hello or their goodbyes. And I thought, hey, I should ask Miguel. So I just walked up to him and asked him if he would mind. I said, I know you don't have time to read the book, but maybe you could just say something about me, <clears throat> excuse me, me personally, since you know me. Yes. And he did share that he doesn't really do that much anymore. And then he asked me, he said, what is the book? So I told him the title and then I told him what the four sacred laws are. And he said, yes, I'll do that. Oh, man. And so that I have to ask when you had never met him, he sees you at the end of a long hallway, comes up and gives you a big hug. Is this, you know, soul recognition from previous lifetimes traveled together in various ways? I believe so. Yeah, because mm -hmm. it was just the connection was like that all weekend when we saw each other. It was like, ah, we just had to. And it's been like that every time we encounter one another. We just wrap our arms around each other and gaze into one another's eyes for a while. And there's just this beautiful, beautiful heart and soul connection there. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing that. Pretty cool. Um, and then I also want to ask, I, um, I was really interested, um, your name, Jaitera. Um, yes. Tell us a little bit about that because that the story of, I have it here in my notes, but I'd love to hear you tell it about why you adopted that name and how it came to you. Well, it, I think this was 2009, um, I began a journey. It was a one-year journey called the uh, Shamanic Priestess Process. Mm -hmm. And it was a circle of us. There were 15 women in the circle. And a facilitator, Anya McAndrews from North Carolina, came to Vancouver um, to facilitate it. And usually it would be done every month, but because of the travel, she came every two months and we made it four days instead of two days at a time. Anyway, at the beginning of that journey, she asked us to choose a priestess name. And I didn't want to choose mine. I wanted it given to me. Mm. So I said a prayer before I went to bed that night, and I asked that it come through me and come to me in the morning. And in the morning, I woke up, and this name, Jaitera, popped into my head. And I thought, wow, that's really pretty. <laughs> and 20 years before that, I had actually changed my name to Taylor through numerology which is a perfect mathematical balance with my birth date. So I did the numbers on Jaitera. It's the identical balance as Taylor. The vowels, consonants, everything. I thought, all right, this is, this is my name. And in 2014 is when I fully stepped into it full time. I was using it a little bit here and there. And it just felt like, you know what, I, I just feel like fully embodying Jaitera. And Jai in Sanskrit means hail or victory. Tara means literally star in Sanskrit, but the metaphorical meaning is that because a star is an ever-combusting thing, it's the unquenchable thirst that propels all life. And in Buddhism, Tara means female Buddha or mother of liberation. So I've kind of gone with Hail, the mother of liberation. Oh, and your work embodies that so beautifully. And I, I want to, just before we dive into the book, and I want folks to hear your story, um, I think it's important to point out that this book, The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment, 
is dedicated to teens and young adults. And I'd, I'd love to just read this um, quote from the book. It just just beautifully articulates this. My, visions is for, my vision is for teens and young adults to have access to sex education that teaches the beauty of sexuality, the sacredness of it, the power, the responsibility, the full sexual anatomy, conscious communication, and how to honor boundaries of self and others. Um, and I think I was watching one of your videos and you made this beautiful statement that we're caught between, I believe, I believe you're referring to teens, but I think all of us probably as well, caught between exploitation and taboo. And um, yeah, tell me a little bit more about why the book is dedicated to teens. And I imagine this has to do with your own story. It does, yeah. Um, because I was exploited as a teen myself. When I was 16 years old, I ended up with uh, a boyfriend who lured me away from home. And after four months of grooming me, he turned into my pimp. And I kept that a secret for 27 years before I had a huge awakening that began my healing journey. And back then, internet didn't exist. You know, now we're in a time when the teens are so, so, so vulnerable. Uh, you know, boys are turning to porn as a source of sex ed. In North America, sex education is still in the dark ages. They're receiving a biology lesson, and even that is not complete. And, you know, fear, fear is being used. Just don't have sex and you'll be safe. France is the only country in the world right now that's teaching all, all the different layers of it in a beautiful way. And from what I understand, Netherlands is very advanced as well. So we really have to bring it up to date. It, it's sex. The act of sex is so much more than just a physical act. It, it's who we are on an emotional level, on a spiritual level. It's, it's the energy that creates us. So they're so in desperate need of guidance right now. And, you know, we are in a time now where there's so much darkness being brought to the light. The Me Too movement brought darkness that had been happening for a long time into the light. Women started speaking up and it shattered that. Um, Child sex slavery is the fastest growing business in crime right now. Tell us, uh, can we go into that a little bit more? Because I don't think people are really aware. They think it happens in Thailand when, you know, in the sex, uh, sexual tourism or things like that. But I don't think people understand how it is in the house next door for some of us. It is. Yeah. Can you give us some statistics and background and what we can be on the lookout for, et cetera? Yeah, I've done a lot of research on this. And yes, it's happening in third world countries. However, the demand for it has increased so much because with drugs and guns, you can only sell them once. Children, you can sell over and over and over again. And, you know, this is the way the criminals are thinking. And the demand has increased so much right here in North America that children are going missing in North America more than ever before. Mm. And they're very clever. They're very conniving. These are intelligent criminals. And they, they hit foster home, the foster children, schoolyards, shopping malls, um, you know, e even as young as infants and toddlers are being kidnapped. And it's happening right here in our backyard. So it's something that we really need to acknowledge. And I don't believe that fear is the answer to solving anything, but we need to be aware. Awareness is the first step. And just educating, being awareness, you know, really teaching your children never speak to a stranger. Um, you know, all of the, you know, just the awareness is the first step of that. And it's 
it's something we need to open our eyes to. And it's because we're not talking about sexuality openly. And what we see in the media often is exploitation. We have to stop the sexualization of young girls as well. Yeah, and I I just, I, my partner and I talk about this a lot. And I, I mean, when did this happen that that the younger and younger girls, this is what's becoming desirable for so many people. How did we get so, I, is perverse the right word for that? I don't, how did this, in your, in your research and um, why did this happen in our culture? Oh, I mean, you know, I, I can only speculate. I don't have the facts on that, but I do believe the sexualization of young girls is one thing and the internet. You know, mm. there's underground internet. I don't know how people get access to them. Well, you know, where they're capturing these girls, they're putting up photos, and there's distortion. And I have to believe that those who were pursuing this themselves were probably abused as a child. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. And they never healed that wound. So they're reenacting it as an adult in a very distorted, twisted way. Uh, I think one of the ways to absolve this, I mean, if you think about it right now, at this point in time, there's new babies being born into the world. How do we prevent those babies, not just from becoming victims, but from growing up into abusers? Exactly. And it's uh, just tying this into your story. um, How did it come about that you recognized what you had experienced as abuse and on a, I guess, the next level, how you transmuted that or healed it to break that cycle and create something new, which is the work you do now. The turning point for me was in 1999. It was in November. I was living in Toronto at the time. And I was standing on a subway platform, and across from the platform was literally a sign from the universe. It was a physical billboard, and it said, teenage prostitution is child abuse. And I literally went into shock, and I was 42 at the time, so it's 27 years later after the fact, and it had never occurred to me until that moment that I'd even been a victim. Mm. I just thought I had lower morals. It was my dark secret. Oh, my gosh, if they found out the site, then they won't want to be my friend. I don't even remember the journey home. Next thing, I'm standing at home looking out my bathroom window. And 27 years of suppressed anger and rage and grief just erupted at once. It was so intense. I thought I was literally going to explode. And I cried out, God, please help me. And the second I spoke those words, a bird landed on my back patio railing and spirit speaks to me through animals because they know I'll go look it up. And it's like (laughs) someone flicked a switch. I instantly became peaceful. I'd never seen a bird like it before. It had the body of a dove, but it was black with blue and purple iridescent. And I found it in my animal speak book by Ted Andrews. And the bird was a grackle. The teaching of a grackle is to release emotional congestion from the past before it manifests into physical illness, you can move forward into the future. And at that moment, there was a huge release and there was a huge amount of awareness. Um, But that wasn't the end of the journey when you say you had immediate peace. There there were layers of, of exploration through, this is how, if I understand from your book correctly, you came to do many of the modalities that you now facilitate, such as breath work, for example. So tell us about that journey. Um, And I'll read here another quote that I really liked after that day of the grackle. Um, 
I kept my spirituality in one box and my sexuality in another. Mm -hmm. I knew intuitively this is not how it is meant to be. So after that day of the grackle, I began a spiritual quest, exploring my connection between God and my sexuality. So tell us a little bit about that journey of healing that you went on. Yes, well, right right after I saw that grackle, I gave myself permission to purge. So I literally stayed home for two days and cried and screamed and yelled and just got the emotions out. Um, the breath work I do now, I could do it in two hours but <laughs> at the time. And, and that was, you know, after the end of those two days, a veil lifted because when we, you know, emotion is energy in motion. And when a trauma happens to us, we and we hold it in the body, we need a way to get it out and express it. So because I'd released so much, after those two days, I just started calling up all my friends and I told everybody what had happened to me for the first mm. time. But there was still more to do. So over the years, and that's when my spiritual journey began, I thought, this doesn't make sense that I'm compartmentalizing my spirituality and my sexuality because it was you know, a message from spirit that showed up so powerful powerfully for me around this to assist me with my healing so you know you've heard of neil donald walsh and conversations with god i started having my own conversations with god around this and it was a few years later i came across holistic rebirthing it's a form of breath work um and that was life-changing for me. I did multiple sessions with that, and it released all the rest of the layers of the residue that I had. And it's just so powerful because this breath literally clears everything on a cellular level. And we, as each layer is removed of the emotional residue, it's replaced with aliveness and peacefulness. And that's why I became certified in that specific modality. Yeah, I will just say from my own experience, one of the joys of of having hosted this show for several years now, it'll be actually five years in April, um, I get to meet facilitators of so many incredible healing modalities. And, you know, the majority of the time I'll end up doing a session with them. Either they'll offer it or I'll sign up for it because I'm, I don't interview anyone whose work I am not compelled by or um, want to try myself really. Um, and I had a, it was not a, a holistic rebirthing breath work session, but was another form of breath work. And there have only been two experiences in my entire life that have been as energetically and spiritually powerful as the breath work. And so I can wholeheartedly say, I know exactly what you're talking about. The, there is a, a physiological response and an energetic feeling. All of the, all of the systems are engaged with that breath work. And it was like a purge, like I have never had before. Um, do you mind, I know we're right at about time for break, but just before we go to break, what distinguishes holistic rebirthing breathwork from say other forms of breathwork? Well, this is a modality. My, my mentor, Mahara Brana, she's been doing this for over 40 years. And I believe she labeled it as that because she added her own layers to what she learned from Leonard Orr back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And one of those layers she added was because energy cannot be created, it cannot be destroyed, but it can be transmuted. So in our modality, we give very clear instruction as to where we want the energy to go. Mm. So we're calling in ascended masters and calling in help from the divine realm, giving specific command that, that anything that is released be carried into the light to be used for other means and calling in lots of protection, um, you know, from, from the higher realm. And 
And I know it makes a huge difference in the work for me. It's what protects me from taking on the energy of what's being released. And I've had experiences that has proven to me over and over again that this is very, very real. Um, so we're in- incorporating that level of spirituality and assistance through the journey. Yes, beautiful. Uh, well, on that note, let's do take our break. So you are listening to Sunny in Seattle. I am your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Jaitara Jade, and we uh, will dive into her book, The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment, uh, as well as hear more of her story when we return from our break. We'll be back in just a few. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. Hey, Sunny in Seattle, friends. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you know that the greatest gifts and synchronicities of my life happened when I started listening to the voice of my soul and let it take the lead. But in a crazy culture and a chaotic world, it can often be difficult to hear that soul voice, and we forget just how powerful that spiritual being inside you really is, which is why I created Soul Digger, a membership community for women and those who identify as women who want to live a soul-driven life. We meet virtually to learn, connect, share, grow, and inspire one another on our spiritual journey. Find out more at my website, goldenoversoul.com. That's goldenoversoul.com. And click on the tab that says, Work With Me. So come get shamelessly spiritual with us in the Soul Digger community, where we mine the true gold that comes from your soul. I'm Dr. Anthony Leisowitz. And this is Climate Connections. The Jefferson Memorial in Washington, D.C. overlooks the Tidal Basin, a man-made body of water surrounded by cherry trees. Visitors can stroll along the water's edge, gazing up at the stately monument. But at high tide, people are forced off parts of the path. Twice a day, the Tidal Basin floods and water spills onto the walkway. One problem is that the land is sinking. But as the climate warms, sea levels are also rising, and the flooding gets even worse during extreme storms, which are growing more common. The whole entire National Mall sits in the 100-year floodplain. It's particularly vulnerable to all the challenges that we face. Teresa Durkin is executive vice president of the Trust for the National Mall. To start addressing the problem, the Trust has brought together five design firms to reimagine the Tidal Basin's future. Perhaps the tidal basin gets smaller, perhaps some of the pathways become bridges, maybe perhaps we'll create some new wetlands here. She says preserving this national treasure in its current form is no longer an option. There's got to be new thinking about how we do things and how we protect these important places. Climate Connections is produced by the Yale Center for Environmental Communication. Learn more at YaleClimateConnections.org. Sunny in Seattle, radio that positively shines. There are two types of journeys in life. There are those we choose to take, and those that life takes us on. From moments we'll never forget, to those we must overcome. I'm Tim McGraw. Join American Airlines and stand up to cancer in our efforts to help make every person diagnosed with cancer a long-term survivor. Visit standuptocancer.org slash American Airlines to learn more. Stand up with us. 
And welcome back to Sunny in Seattle. I'm your host, Sunny Joy. I am joined today by Jaitara Jade, and she is the author of the book, The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment. And before the break, we were talking a bit about uh, Jaitara's personal story of um, sexual exploitation and trauma um, as a 16-year-old and in her adolescent years. Um, and then, of course, the the healing that has come from that when she realized or had awareness around the abuse that had happened and then made a conscious decision to go into the pain and heal. Um, and there, in this book, The Four Sacred Laws of Sexual Enlightenment, um, you, you talk a lot more about this. But I'm just curious from your perspective, um, as we dive a little bit more into these four sacred laws, um, what... If what happens to our our sexual being, our sexuality, our sexual experiences and connection, if we do not clear trauma of of whatever kind from childhood, not necessarily even just sexual trauma, I'm imagining. Well, you know, like I said before the break, um, emotion is energy in motion, and it gets stuck in the body. And so, when there's trauma that happens to us, whether it's sexually related or otherwise. If it's not healed, if it's not cleared from the body, there's an aspect of us that stays back to that time before it happened when it was still safe. Mm -hmm. So there's a part of us that is always stuck back in time. And it can show up um, in different ways, you know, being triggered very easily, going into reactivity. You might have, I'm sure we've all experienced, maybe you've witnessed this in yourself, if if this is you, where something might happen up and, it, and it's like instead of an adult, you feel like there's a child going into reactivity in front of you. And that's because there's something being triggered inside and, and it's, it's, it's a wound that's being pushed down that hasn't been able to come to the surface and release yet. So, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I wanted to add, if it is a sexual wound, because sexual energy is what creates us as human beings. You know, we before we come into this realm, we're in non-physical intelligence, and then there's the sexual energy, and now we're living inside, we're inhabiting a human body. It's what creates us. Therefore, it is the root of our creative force. So when there's a wound happening at the root of our creative force, and we're holding back to protect this vulnerable aspect of ourselves, we're holding back, period. And it filters on into every other layer of our life. Mm. And it, it seems like, you know, the true connection, the coming together of two souls mm -hmm. in physical bodies, in energetic bodies, it seems like that connection could not be as deep, as rich, as intimate if there is some type of a uh, I don't. I don't know what you from the trauma. Some blip in that in the field there, so to speak. Um, do you find that that's the case? That the connections just can't be as deep if that if that is there and not not uh, healed. Well, I've worked with a lot of couples and and where there's been one partner that still has um, past abuse that was not healed, and it definitely did show up in their sexual relationship as mm -hmm. a. As, as, as fear, as being uninhibited, as there was some kind of a closing off still happening that they needed to work on. And ideally, when we're created, you know, it's by two parents who love one another and it's done through the act of love. That's not always the case. Sometimes it's not always beautiful that creates a human being. But, you know, I do believe that 
everyone is born as a beautiful infant child that wants to give and receive love. So I believe whatever the circumstances that brought us into the world, we have the ability, we have control over our own energy field. So we can make a conscious decision to infuse that with pure light and love, no matter what our journey has been. Yes. So in your journey, um, as you went on your healing journey, um, you began to live in a very different way. And you now have developed these four sacred laws of sexual enlightenment. So let's talk a little bit about those. Um, and you write that the four sacred laws in this book are in devotion to who we are as divine beings inhabiting a physical sexual body. Um, so you talk a lot about divine design. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how the laws came to you or how you developed them and what they are? I mean, I don't even remember the specifics, but it's like they just flowed through me very quick. It was clearly mm -hmm. a I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. It's just something that came through. And at first, I believe there were three, and then I just felt there was another one. And it, it just, again, it's, it's almost like it happened in a dream because the specifics aren't even clear to me how this information came through me. I believe that I'm just the messenger here. Um, you know, and like I just shared with you before we came into these bodies for non-physical non intelligence, the sexual energy allows us to be a spiritual being having a human experience. And while we're in this physical body, when we understand how to use our breath, our breath, our physical nervous system, which is electromagnetic energy, and our sexual energy are designed to work together. But so few of us have been taught how to do this. When you know how to activate the breath, and to use the breath as a vehicle to move the sexual energy through your nervous system, the, it amplifies your physical pleasure. And when you integrate that with your connection to the divine source creator, however, whatever language you like to use, your connection to the divine is also much more expansive. So just as sexual energy brings us from the non-physical to the physical, while we're in the physical, it can connect us more tangibly and profoundly with the non-physical. And what all what's important is that we infuse our sexual energy with love, that it's mm -hmm. always activated through love, not through anger, trying to work out anger, but you know, being uh, you know, as Don Miguel says, be impeccable with your word. I like to say, be impeccable with your energy. Mm. And the way our breath, nervous system, sexual energy is created, and when we in sync that with our spiritual connection, it is our divine design. It's how we're designed, and it is. I believe it's a gift from God. It's the gift of life, and. In the chapter, The Gift, I speak of the five elements of sexual expression, which are nurturing, healing, connection, playfulness, and primal expression. Those are all the elements that you want to have expressed. If the listeners, I invite you to write down each one, nurturing, healing, playfulness, connection, and primal expression, and write for on a scale of one to 10, how expressed you are in each of those. And that mm. will show you where you can put some more energy. You know, it's, we are primal beings. We want to acknowledge that, you know, um, you know, we are primal. We have that animalistic and it's fun to play that out, whether you're dancing at a drum circle, howling at the moon, getting your hands in the earth or being primal with one another 
as long as it's done in a very, very conscious way, conscious communication and a heart-to-heart connection and done with honor and respect. Absolutely. And that's something that is a theme that is repeated throughout the book. Um, I uh, am a huge fan of the research from the HeartMath Institute and incorporate a lot of their uh, practices and techniques in my own work with clients. And one of the things that I loved in your book is that so many of the practices that you talk about involve putting a hand over your heart. Mm -hmm. And you reminded me of one of the fun heart facts that I forgot to mention. I did a post about it recently and you and your book mention, and this I think is so important and so tied to what you're talking about, that the heart is the first organ that is formed. The rest of the body forms around it. And so your work really returns to the love and the heart space in however we are expressing ourselves. Yeah. 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 So the four sacred laws, I, do you mind if I just read those and then we can maybe unpack? You just mentioned the gift a moment yes. ago, but we can maybe do some unpacking. Um, so the four sacred laws are the gift, forgiveness, responsibility, and the invitation. Um, I've got some questions here, but I, I, I'll just go to you, Ajay Tara, and is there one that you'd like to start with or talk more about than another? Um. Well, well, you know, the gift I touched on it a little bit and, you know, and an element of the gift also is acknowledging the masculine and feminine essence within each of us. I'm not speaking of men, women as men and women. We each have elements of the masculine and the feminine and it's a dance. So I go a lot into the book about that, about embracing the dance of the masculine and feminine. Um, Forgiveness, uh, that's, that's really the healing journey you know, releasing any emotional residue from unhealthy relationships, past abuse, or it could be toward religion, parents, whatever healing needs to take place. And forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. It doesn't mean you condone the actions that were done. It means you're freeing yourself from the energetic connection of that. And the path to forgiveness is understanding. So I actually have, um, a free audio on my website, chaitera.com. If you go to the store link, you don't even have, you don't have to opt in to get it. Just hit play. And it's a nine minute process that will guide you through the forgiveness process that will help shift your perspective. If you've had an abuse experience, it will change your perspective toward the abuser where you understand that the root cause of where it came from. And it helps make the forgiveness process so much easier. Yes. And I want to just hit pause here because of all the things in my outline that I have, your forgiveness meditation is the one I've got highlighted in yellow that I wanted to make sure that we mentioned. And I I will spell your name just so that people can find it on the website. So the website is jaitera.com spelled J-A-I-T-A-R-A, J-A-I-T-A-R-A. And do you mind do you think it's better if people just go find it or should, do you mind sharing a little bit about what you do in that meditation? Because I was going through it in my own head as I was reading along doing kind of a version of it. And it was so incredibly powerful. Mm. Well, what I have you do and, and I, I have you visualize your abuser as, as they would be right now, or as you remember them. And this is not through the video. It's like a still snapshot because you don't want to reenact the experience. You're just seeing them as a still snapshot. And then I have you take them back in time. Imagine what they look like, say, five, ten years before that and then before that until you see them as an adolescent. 
and then I take you back in time more and now imagine what they look like as 10 years old. And then I ask the questions, what was their environment like? How were they being loved? What were they being taught? Now take them back even farther to a five-year-old child. What was their environment like? How were they being loved? What were they being taught? Because no one grows up to intentionally harm another unless there's been some distortion that led them on that path. And then very slowly start forwarding them back into the present, a 10-year-old, still in that environment. How are they being loved? What was their environment like? What were they being taught? Now as an adolescent, ask the same questions. Still those unhealed wounds. Now as they become an adult, they must take responsibility for their actions. However, if now you have a new perspective, you can stop visualizing visualizing them Mm -hmm. as the overpowering abuser and see them as that wounded five-year-old child because that's the root source of it. Once you see them as the wounded five-year-old child, then it shifts you into a place of understanding that makes the forgiveness process much easier. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Yeah. So we're, of course, going through the four sacred laws. Uh, We mentioned the gift. We just talked about forgiveness and we've got responsibility and the invitation. Um, And I have uh, several questions around the invitation, but if you want to share a little bit more about one or both of those, Jaitara, please. We'll touch quickly on responsibility and I want to get to the invitation too, because it's my favorite. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Responsibility has many layers. Responsibility of communication, responsibility of your own healing, responsibility of the media, responsibility of power. There's many, many layers to that. So if you get the book, you can read up on that. And it's just really common sense, being responsible as adults. So the invitation is inviting God's source, whatever that means to you, into your sexual experience. And a few years ago, I realized, because I found people would get sort of stumped or have a block of integrating God into their sexual experience. I thought, I know why this is happening, because so many people think of God as mother, father, God. We don't want to invite our parents in the bedroom. That's just, (laughs) it doesn't work. (laughs) It's important to remember that God's source energy comes in all relationships, the brother, the sister, the friend, and the lover. So what is the lover essence of God's source to you? Just close your eyes, imagine what that would be like. What would they sound like? What does it feel like to be in their presence? Because we're all spiritual beings, whether you're in a relationship and you have a beloved, they are physical and they are spiritual. That aspect of them that is spiritual is God's source energy. And of course, when we fall in love with someone, we're not just falling in love with their body would falling in love with their heart and their spirit. So if you're single and you're imagining the God's source, um, the lover essence of God's source, you can go in this little virtual, virtual reality and imagine, you can imagine them physically. Are they masculine? Are they feminine? And what happens when you go to this place of love and creating and imagining what it feels like to be in their presence, to be held by them, to be touched by them? then what you're doing, you're also sending out a frequency of what you can attract into your life as a physical manifestation. 
And I thought it was so beautiful also to think about, I've never thought about it this way until I read your chapter on the invitation, but that, and it makes sense because in interviews that I've done with folks who work as mediums, for example, or um, I'm thinking particularly of uh, Dr. Elisa Med, who's her son committed suicide and she worked with a medium to write several books. Um, that her son wrote through the medium and they they created together. And her son will talk about, I think Eric was his name. I think there's a whole website devoted. I so forgive me for forgetting it. But in any event, he talked about how, what a fun experience it was to be in a human body. And that one of the, the only parts about being in the ethereal realms that is just, I don't even know if less than perfect is the right word or just something that's like fun is to come back into a physical experience. And mm. your invitation is the most beautiful way to invite the ethereal realms, the divine, of course, only those beings of light and love that you want to interact with, but invite them to come through and enjoy a physical experience again through through expression in this way. Yeah, and it, and in all physical expressions, you know, when we often when people go into prayer meditation, they think about you know what they're grateful for or asking for guidance. But what if we just invite the men to experience the physical just for the pure joy of it and sharing it like you know invite the men listen to the beauty of the birds in springtime right now here in vancouver the birds are singing so beautifully it's one of my favorite sounds the first thing i do in the morning is sit outside and listen mm -hmm. or when you're eating never feel guilty about the food you're putting in your body what if instead you invited spirit come enjoy this beautiful ice cream, whatever it is you're eating, if it's a pleasure food, whatever your meal, enjoy this experience of this food with me. And the same as for a sexual expression, come and experience the beauty of my body, how beautiful the sensation is, and, and share this with me. Yes, I just, I, I will just read this quote um, around, this is from the chapter on the invitation. Do you also take time to extend an invitation to source? Do you pour energy into expressing and sharing your love with source? Do you invite those in the divine realm to connect with your love and orgasmic energy simply for the joy of it, the fun of it, and so they can be at the receiving end of it? This is the beauty of the invitation. Besides my sexual expression, I also practice the invitation in my morning meditation. When I dine, when I dance, when I swim in the ocean, basically when I engage in any form of pleasure, I love the joy I feel when sharing the pleasure of being in a body with my divine team and opening verbal invitation for them to enjoy the presence of it with me. So beautifully said, Jaitera. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Yes. I want to make sure since we're getting toward the end of our hour um, that there you have, and this is so perfectly timed since everything has moved online um, in the past few weeks, and I think we'll continue to do so for the foreseeable future. You have an online event. It is a deep connection masterclass that starts or registration. Registration opens tomorrow, March 21st. Mm -hmm. um, Tell us a little bit about that um, for folks who might be interesting, interested in, in pursuing work with you. Yes, the uh, URL is Deep Connection Masterclass. If you go there right now, you'll just see uh, a page, but it's not set up for sign up yet. Um, if you want to let me know right away that you want to sign up. And basically um, what this is, if you're, you know, if you're, tired of not having the depth of connection that you would like to have and you're ready to experience extraordinary depth of spiritual connection 
connection with your sexual partners, spiritually, emotionally, even if you're single or even if your partner's yourself. And the side effects will include emanating more magnetic attraction, feeling more confident, alive and happy. And I'll be engaging with you in a Facebook group as well. So even though this is an online uh, pre-made videos, um, there's also going to be direct interaction with me. So if you want to let me know immediately that you're interested, um, you can email me at connect at jaitera.com. I love those side effects, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I've been really busy, actually, just with what's happening in the world right now. I've been stocking up in groceries, and so I've begun my self-isolation. So I am a little bit behind in my work because I just wanted to get all that in place. But tomorrow, I will have the website up and ready for you to sign up. Awesome. Um, and again, the website, um, that Jaitera's website, um, just as we're getting close. Um, so I take care of some housekeeping, Jaitera.com, J-A-I-T-A-R-A, Jaitera.com. Um, yes. I want to just read the, the, the book closes, and I thought this was too just um, sweet and cute and fun, not to mention. But Jaitera writes, think of me as your call girl. I call upon the light that I see in you to shine unapologetically in the world. I call upon the inner child in you that is crying to come out and play. I call upon the presence of peace that lives within your spirit body to be fully present in your physical sexual body. I call upon the creator in you to surrender to the calling in you that is hungry to be fulfilled. Beloved, what are you willing to call upon? So that's a call girl I like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, and Jai Tara, thank you for being here today. I, as I mentioned, I loved hearing your interview on Soul Fest and the opportunity to actually share your energy today. Like, I just, I'm hungry for more. Your calm, your peace, your joy, your vitality. It's just, it's so palpable. So, thank you for being here. Thank you. It's my honor. And in, and in these times we're in right now, I just want to say to the listeners that really embrace this time we're in right now as we are all going into isolation as as your personal temple time you know use this time to just express your love we can reach out to one another and i'm just so moved my heart is so full by how i see people reaching out and love to one another the videos that are on youtube of the italians who are out on their balconies playing music and singing neighbors it's just so beautiful what i am witnessing is the best of the human spirit emerging through all of this that is the beautiful gift that i see coming through this yes and that is available to see if you look for it and you don't have to look too hard so um thank you so much jai tara thank you to the listeners out there um thank you benny for running the board um this is sunny joy your host you've been listening to sunny in seattle stay safe stay well and um stay joyful take care the preceding audio was via a skype call